moment when you see the many things that are taking place, the many uh, happenings, the, um, the turmoil that is out there. And yet I acknowledge that there are enough resources in Christ for you and I, not only to survive within this environment in which we find ourselves, but actually to make a difference. And I think one of the great concerns that I have, and that's almost the dilemma that I have in coming to you, it would be so nice for me to pick out one of the, the sermons that might have been considered to be one of the better ones and to give it to you and you, we walk out of this place this morning and say, great sermon, you know. But I know that God wants more for us and that it's not just the very best sermons He wants. What He wants to do is He wants to impact our lives, to change our lives. And I think what is taking place today in today's world is that there's a complacency in the church. Uh, there's a weakness in the body of Christ and that many believers who've come through have lost something of the foundations that we, that we are built on. Uh, and the thing that comes to mind, an illustration that comes to mind would be, for instance, a young child who comes through uh, children's ministry and they taught about um, Jonah being swallowed by a fish and David and Goliath and, and all of those stories. And then they hit university and then the world of university hits them with wokeism and transgenderism and, and the pleasures of the world and all of those things. And all they've got to fall back on is Jonah having been swallowed by a whale. And that we haven't really often grounded guys in the Word of God and some of the foundational basics. I think for me, it's the challenge that I have at the moment. And in the church that we're working with in Nelspreit, uh, that's one of the things that I'm endeavoring to do is to maybe just go back to some of the foundations that we need in our lives. The conviction of our faith. I don't know if you've heard or if you've seen... Uh, in the world today, there's a lot of de deconstruction taking place. That's the word they use. So people who have been in the faith for a long time are now beginning to wonder whether this is true or whether that is true. And some of it is some of the basic stuff, like, for instance, the deity of Christ or the virgin birth or the resurrection even of Christ. In fact, I watched a, a little uh, clip the other day uh, presented by Sean McDowell, who's an apologist. And what he's doing is he's interviewing a guy who'd been leading a church for 10 years uh, and then he broke away and he'd become part of the progressive church movement. Now, the progressive church movement is anything but that. It's regressive rather than progressive. And Sean was asking him what he, how he, uh, what he thought about the resurrection. It was over an Easter period. And this guy said, uh, he said, well, sometimes in Easter when I preach about the resurrection, I preach that Jesus was raised from the dead. And then the next year, I'm not sure about that. And therefore, um, I would just say, well, maybe it's just a really good story in the, in the scriptures. Now, I just wonder how anybody can follow that kind of uh, logic. You know, one moment you, you're preaching it, the next minute you said, well, I'm not sure about it. But that for me is symbolic of where the church is at the moment. And therefore, this morning, as I speak to a group of believers that encourage you, uh, I say, I don't come with my best sermon this morning. I come with, with two essential scriptures. The one is from Jude, which we're going to look at, uh, the first seven verses in Jude. And then we're going to have a look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, from verses 5 to 12. So uh, the Jude, Jude scripture is really just to set us up. And what it does is, is Jude, uh, the, Jude is speaking to uh, believers like you and I. And what he's doing is he's talking about some of the dangers that, we're, that they were facing. And we're facing exactly the same today. 
In fact, the scriptures as they were presented here, all of those thousands of years ago, are so relevant for us today. And I have this, this conviction in my heart that God is, is building within the, the, in the believer this, the courage of their convictions, the understanding that they stand strong in the faith, of, the faith that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He will do. Yeah. And I'm just seeing that. Well, in fact, we've just got a message now. Uh, I was watching it when Sean, first time I've seen Sean for a while. And uh, we were in the foyer here watching a message come from the church we've had. We've had the church that we're in. And they just had a, 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 some healing meetings just recently. And the message that's just come through just says for a, a guy walking out of his wheelchair after 14 years. And there's a picture of this guy sort of hobbling up to the, to the front. And I think to myself, Lord, that is where we need to be. That is what we want to be seeing, Lord. We want to see more of your, your, your workings in the life of believers. But for that to take place, we have to be in, a, in the... In the position ourselves where God can manifest himself in this broken world in which we're living. And so Jude, what he does here is he's speaking into the life of the church. And we'll quickly just look at it. And as I say, it's the introduction to 1 Peter. So he says in, in Jude, he says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. And the interesting thing here is Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. <coughs> but he submits himself and he says that he's a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. So he was the half-brother of Jesus, he was the brother of James, and he introduces himself as Judah, servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James. To those who are called, and this is, this is the beautiful thing this morning, friends, if we can just again acknowledge the calling of God on our lives, that God has called us, that He's redeemed us, that He's taken us out of the, the place of darkness in which we used to find ourselves. And there's this calling, and so there's this honour of what God has done in and through our lives. Lord, we, we, we celebrate the calling of God in our lives. We rejoice that we are not just uh, an entity in this world today that, that just lives this life and then just disappears. We've been called by God. We've been called to make a difference in this world. We've been called to express the love of God. And here Jude says, you've been called. And then he goes, he said, beloved in God. He doesn't say beloved by God. Do you notice that? I mean... You know, Joe's beloved by Ian. I love this man. But it, there's almost an external thing to that. Here it says, beloved in God. And so we find that we're in Christ. That Christ embraces us. He's, he's the one that encircles us. Uh, kept for Jesus Christ. And that's the thing that encourages me in the world in which we're living today. That you and I are kept by Christ. That everything is falling away around us. There's much chaos. There's a great deal of deception. Today they say, for instance, conspiracy theories. We've all heard of these things. And then we begin to find that six months later, those conspiracy theories are true. You know, it's just, <laughs> out there is such chaos. And yet here we're being assured by Jude, as he, as he begins to talk about the problems that are out there, first of all, he reassures us. We've been called by God. We're beloved by God. And then he says, we are kept for Jesus Christ. And that just encourages me no end. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Redeemer of mankind, the lover of our souls. He's the one that we're secure in. He's the one that embraces us this morning. And even when we go from this place, it doesn't matter what takes place into the future. And it does seem as though everything is becoming unraveled. But if we recognize that we've been called, 
that we're beloved in Christ and we're kept by Him, then for me, the sovereignty of God, if I understand the sovereignty of God, that if I draw close to Him and stay close to Him, then all things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And so what Judah's doing, he's, he's, giving, he's putting courage into his hearers. He goes on and says, May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So mercy is, uh, is the, the, uh, the mercy of God that is unwarranted, that God gives mercy to us, the peace that we so desperately need. I just love, for instance, in John 14, 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so there's this re reassurance that God has come and made his home in us, my friends. That this morning we can have the assurance of our salvation. We can have the assurance that even though everything may fall, fall away around us, that God has us in his hands. The mercy of God is ours. This un un unwarranted mercy that God shows us. Then he says, peace. And we know in Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says, You kept him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And I think that for me is the message. Kept in God, and uh, that, he, that, that as we trust in him, he will, he will keep us, he will sustain us, he will provide for us. And that for me is what I was saying in the beginning, that it worries me that the church has lost that kind of assurance. They've lost the, the, the commitment, the passion, the understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he rose again on the third day, that he was born of a virgin. Those non-negotiable doctrines, those are the things that are under tremendous attack today. The word of God today is being assailed and attacked that this thing is not the infallible, inerrant word of God. And so as believers this morning, as Jude encourages us, and I encourage you this morning, to stay strong in the faith, to get back to the basics that God has called us to, to have a deeper understanding of what are the values of our faith, what are the non-negotiables? As I say, the deity, uh, the trinity, all of those things. We need to go back to those things. We need to continue to massage them in our lives. And into our children's lives. Unless our, unless our kids are grounded in these things, when they hit university, man, they just, they're going to they're wander and waver. And then Jude goes on and he says, Beloved, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. Like myself this morning, I was eager to come to you to give you a, a blessing, to preach a great service, sermon, and then you walk away and say, oh, we've had a great Sunday. But Jude just says, there's something else. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want you to contend for the faith. Rest in the assurance that God has called you, that God has kept you, that His mercy, His peace, and His love is extended towards you this morning. And that even as we, we leave this place of uh, uplifting and of, of motivation, we leave this place with these assurances in our lives. So what uh, Judah is doing here is he says, I wanted to preach to you about salvation. Uh, then he goes on, but then he says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. And I want you to just read to you uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 2. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers... Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So here again is this encouragement to become men and women of the word of God. 
to be, become men and women that draw close to God. That no matter what happens, that you and I would not question who we believe in. That our faith is in Christ. It's not, it's not a belief in things, in other things. It's a, it's, our foundation is in Christ. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And so what he says here in verse 4 of Jude, he says, actually, into the body of Christ is this deception that is coming, or has come. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And that is taking place today. There's an there's a, um, infiltration into the, the body of Christ today. That for those who, who are not grounded in the Word of God and have a deep understanding of the non-negotiables of our doctrine, what is happening is there's a, a perversion that is taking place. I was talking to a guy in Kenya from Kenya the other day. A short, Sean will know him, uh, a, a guy called John. And he was, he was just talking about the churches around, preaching the prosperity message and uh, this um, feel-good gospel and how they're growing, etc. And here he is, preaching the Word of God, uh, just preaching the unadulterated Word. And yet he's got this small little group of believers. And he said it would so, be so easy to try to grow your church by preaching what everybody wants to hear. And yet, when the end comes, one day when they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a judgment that is coming. And Jude goes on to that now. And he says here, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. So we know what happened is when they came out of Egypt, there was a rebellion that used to take place in the, in the wilderness. We may remember Korah who was swallowed by this earthquake. Uh, splitting of the earth and all of those kind of things. And so there's a rebellion in the world today. And again, Judas reminding us, stay content for the faith. Stay strong in the faith. And the interesting thing with all of these, uh, the first thing is rebellion. Then he goes on and he says um, in verse 6, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Then he goes on in verse 7, he says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah. And so the, the illustrations show, the, or the warning is, is what is happening is that there's an infiltration against the truth of the gospel, which we need to continue to watch out for. And the only way we can know that is by knowing truth. You know that story of the bank teller? Uh, the bank teller is employed by the bank, and what they do is they give him a whole lot of notes to count. And he counts all of these notes, and he keeps counting notes, and he... Day after day, he's counting notes. And then one day, they slip the false note in there. And as he's counting, he realizes this thing looks slightly different or feels slightly different. And that's for the believer, for you and I, is that we need to stay focused in the Word of God. Don't get sidetracked by going into all of these other things and trying to discover what it's all about. We need to know about it. We need to understand what is taking place. But our focus is in the Word of God, grounding ourselves in the Word, staying true to the Word of God. My friends... It's a, it's a troubled world, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm troubled when I, when I see what is taking place, particularly in the, in the body of Christ. And my encouragement to you today is to go back to the basics. Uh, listen to these kind of scriptures that Jude is warning us. In the beginning, he reassures them of who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them. Then he goes on and says, but there are others that are coming will try to deceive us, uh, and they, they will, by all accounts, look pretty good. 
They will probably be charismatic. They will have all of these things and will be attracted and drawn to them. But he says, don't be fooled by it. And then he goes on and he gives his illustration. The first one is rebellion. But then he moves on into the other two, which were the fallen angels and then the Sodom and Gomorrah. And that is the, the area of immorality and sexuality. And man, do we see that today, don't we? I mean, it's just terrific what is taking place out there and how, how the, the pendulum, I think, has now swung where guys like you and I are actually in the minority in the world today. 20 years ago, uh, very little of this was actually evident, but today, actually, we're in the minority. And so the appeal by Jude, and we'll end it there and move on to 1 Peter now, but the appeal by Jude is stay strong in the faith, friends. Get back into the Word of God. Make sure you, you're studying and reading the Word of God. Make sure you continue to go back over the doctrines. Uh, you know, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the Trinity, the resurrection, all of those foundational things. Continue to massage them into your lives. Go through the creeds. Have a look. Go onto the internet and look at the Apostles' Creed. And, and the different creeds, which again were dealing with heresy in the life of the church. So if we now go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And here we're going to just talk about being kept. Uh, and it's about the, about the church. So we're going to read from verse 5 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says, For you yourselves like living stones are being built up in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, I implore you, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There are three things I want to pick up from that. And you're going to just see through this, the, the beauty of us living uh, in, this, in this world and the impact and the, uh, the calling of God on our lives to make a difference in it. So there are three things I, I want you just to pick up from this, from these uh, few verses that we've read. The first one is, uh, the, is who we are, the church, the, the people of God, and the, the calling of God upon our lives is the first thing. The second thing is the tension between the church, which is you, the individuals, not a building, the individuals and the world. There's a tension out there. Um, I experienced that soon after I was saved and I thought to myself, I'm going to proclaim my, my faith to the world. And uh, the next day when I went into, into work, I had a little Bible of the old uh, Gideons and I put that on my table and I thought everybody who comes in to see me today is going to know that I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I felt that there was this kind of tension between them and me. 
And so the next minute I heard my boss walking down the passage and he quickly grabbed my Bible and put it in a drawer and realized that the, the tension of the world overcame me at that point in time. But there's this tension between the church and the world. And then the third thing that we're going to see here is the necessity for us to maintain that tension, which is interesting because you think that what we should be doing is eliminating that tension. But we're going to have a look at it. So going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, you yourselves as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So living stones is plural. And that is why, is why it is so essential for us to be together. This corporate time are so essential to belong to a church, to be integrated in a church. So it's the plural there being built into a, which is singular, a community, a spiritual house. And so here we see the essentials of, uh, of being part of the body of Christ. Uh, these kind of house churches and all of those things is not what God has called us to. We, we need this corporate interaction together and we'll see why now. So we are stones, which is present tense, but we are being built together and that is progressive. And so that is, we are progressive Christians. We are, we are learning and studying and we're interacting together and sharpening each other and caring for one another and loving one another. And in that progress, our Christianity is progressive. So a stone standing alone serves no purpose. But we are locked together, built together, and each one is grounded. And uh, I'm dependent on the ones above me and I'm dependent upon the ones below me. All of the bricks in this building are interdependent between, with themselves. They work together. They're aligned together. And so the question I would ask this morning is, if you and I are so built into each other's lives in the community, that if you stopped coming, would it affect the rest of us? And that's the, that for me just highlights the necessity for us to be built into and to be serving together, connected, interdependent, one with another. And so what uh, Peter is saying here is he's saying, that we're living stones, uh, each individual, independent, but interdependent upon the whole thing. And so we see the, the importance here of being dependent on one another and working together. So we prosper in our faith together. I've realized that over the years. I mean, we had long periods where we were really in remote bush stations in Zimbabwe. And uh, there were periods I just I realized that I was growing cold. Uh, I just didn't have the interaction with other believers around me. I didn't have others challenging me. I didn't have others encouraging me. And so we see the importance here that Peter is saying that if you and I are to be sustained in this broken world, if we're to be able to, to live uh, the Christ-like life in this, in this broken world, then we actually need to prosper in our faith together, to be encouraged, to challenge. I mean, the interaction that Joe and I have uh, just sitting across the table from each other, learning from one another, challenging each other, encouraging one another, making suggestions to one another, how can we better do this, or is that working, or whatever it is. That is what we need in our faith. I honestly believe that down the road, we're going to need each other more and more. We're going to need to be encouraged by one another, strengthened by each other, cared for by each other, loved by one another. These scriptures are foundational to, to our, our, our life in this world. So that's the, the, the first thing, is the importance of the, the body of Christ, of community. Then we go on and we have a look at the, our relationship to the world that is out there. 
this tension that needs to be maintained. If we look at verses 11 and 12 from 1 Peter chapter 2. So the question is, are we to be inclusive or are we to be exclusive? So if we're to be inclusive, then what we need to do is we need to be embracing of all of those that would come to us uh, with different ideas, whether it be transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, whatever it is, cross-dressing, cross transvestites, bring them in. Now, I would suggest that the church needs an open door. Now, what we need to do is everybody needs to come to hear the gospel. But once they're in there, then we are no longer inclusive. What we're wanting them to do is begin to be challenged by the Word of God and to begin to see their lives change. So, in other words, we cannot compromise our faith. And that is taking place today, where people are beginning to just say, well, it's not really such a problem, or we'll compromise with it. We'll compromise with the, with the guys come, who come into the church. Eventually they come in, uh, we've got people in our church, uh, couples, two women that are married together and that sort of thing. And they, they're more than welcome. We want them to be part of that. But once they're in them, we're trusting that the Word of God will begin to challenge them. And then once we have a bit of a relationship with them, that we can go in there and say to them, uh, just to, in a, because there's a relationship that has been built, we can now begin to begin to ask them, well, have, this is what the scriptures say. Where do you stand? What do you think, etc. And so we, we, we're not inclusive in the, in the place where we're compromising our faith. But we're not exclusive either. We're not closing the doors and saying, listen, we're, we're a holy huddle. Uh, we just want to protect ourselves. And so we, we cut out the world. So our, our relationship with the world is not inclusive and it's not in exclusive. Look at 11 and 12. It says, Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct, your activity, amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So here we see that we are to be aliens. We are sojourners, is the word that I got from the ESV. Or exiles, we're strangers. And so we're not to embrace the world's views. And that's why it's so important for you and I to go back to the basics, friends. We need to, we need to be strong enough. We need to acknowledge that this is God's word. It's on, we, we, we don't compromise this word. It's the infallible word of God. That everything is true as it was then as it is for us today. We cannot compromise this. But we need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to share together it. We need to encourage each other with it. We need to challenge each other on it. This, this word, the word of God, is, is, is imperative for us. So we're not to embrace the, the, the world's views. But we, 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 we are foreigners in the world. Uh, so when you and I become Christians, we become foreigners. But we don't keep our Christianity private. Although we are foreigners... Um, we, you may know we were born in Zimbabwe. And so when we first came to South Africa, we were foreigners. But we've been now integrated into the society here. We've got all of the papers. We live here. We're part of this world. But actually, our origin is Zimbabwean. And our real destiny, of course, is heaven. We're really foreigners in the sense that we're, uh, our residence is, is uh, heaven. But we are planted on this earth. Here's the vehicle that God has given us to journey in this earth. The Spirit of God in us. The very life of Christ in us. We are foreigners here to impact the world in which we are living. So we become foreigners, but we are not excluded from the world. We are not divorced from it. 
So this, this holiness uh, that it speaks about is we're separate but not isolated. So let's look at that. Consider the early Christians. So what happens is they became a counterculture. And that's what we are. We look at the culture that is taking place in the world today. It's, it's, it's horrific. It's just, it, for me, it just boggles the mind to think of how logical people can even begin to think like that. I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't know how we've transitioned from what used to be unacceptable today, which is acceptable, and right is now wrong, and wrong is now right. It just, it boggles my mind. And so this thing talks about us being isolated, being separate, but not isolated. And so these early Christians became a counterculture. Let's look at some of the things they did. First of all, they did not go to the bloodthirsty gladiatorial sports. The only time they were there was when they were in the ring and they were the actual uh, things that the lions were having a go at and all that sort of thing. They weren't just spectators to these gladiatorial games. They were against abortion and infanticide. They were inclusive in their interactions. In fact, they did not isolate themselves from the society, but they lived within it. They made a difference within it. They impacted the society. They had businesses there, and they lived with integrity and honesty in their business and impacted the world in which they were. They were against sex outside of marriage, and that was considered at the time to be very prudish. They were against same-sex practice. They were absolutely radical for the poor. They mixed races and classes and cultures. They were all equal together. They believed that Christ was the only way to salvation. And they had a heart for the world. They had a heart to make a difference. They were, they were a counterculture in the world in which they lived. No one had ever seen a group of people like that. The people that held those kind of values. The men and women who stood for their faith. But they didn't compromise for their faith. They didn't bend to the culture that was putting pressure on them. What if there are a group of people like that today that were impacting the societies in which we live? We, I don't know that we're going to make a massive difference and change the, 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 the world in which we're living. But man, I can make a difference to the people that I associate with. I can make a difference in the business that I'm part of. I can make a difference wherever I am. And that is what these people were doing. They were a group of people who were following these biblical values and they were impacting the world in which they live. And that is the calling of God in our lives. So we don't fit neatly into this world and its belief systems. But they were resident aliens. They were alien, but they were permanent residents within it. They maintained this amazing balance, not compromising with the society in which they were living, but living out this, this, this culture of Christ Verse 12 says, Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. They did not conform to the culture around them. And then it says, When they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may actually see your good deeds. I remember when I was working with Anglo-American in, in the Free State. I was a, a Roynek from Rhodesia uh, in a very, uh, very strong uh, mining culture. Uh, Crude, hard, uh, and this Roynek didn't fit well into that society because I, I don't speak Afrikaans very well either. And uh, I, was, I was really persecuted by these guys. Very, it was uh, very difficult. And yet, whenever guys had a problem, I mean, they would ridicule me and, and, and make it life hard for me. And, and yet, when they had a problem, who did they come to? They'd sort of come through the back door and then they would spend time with me and I would... 
And so this is what this is saying. They may accuse you of wrongdoing. They may ridicule you, etc. But they will see your good deeds. And so our, be- our moral behavior and the way in which we live, that is what God is calling us to in the society in which we're living today. You to live out the, your purpose in the community in which you and I live. They did not assimilate to the culture in which they lived. They were different to it. But they lived out the Christ life. So this thing is not, again, there's no arrogance in this. It's not to say we're better than. We're not better than. We're, t- we're just different. The same as Bernie's different to me. She looks different. She's a lot more beautiful than I am, etc. She's different. But there's an equality between us. There's an honoring between us. There's a difference that comes. And so this, we're not arrogant in the sense that we say that they are less than or anything like that. What we're saying is that our value systems are different. And that's why, my friends, this morning is not a, not a, not a feel-good message. It's not the best message that I've got. But it is a message to implore you, to urge you, as the same as Jude was doing, to say, recognize who you are in Christ. Recognize what God has done for you. Recognize the calling of God upon your lives. Recognize that He's keeping you. And He can only keep you as long as you are available to be kept. If you begin to drift and to move away, then Jude spells out the problems. He speaks about rebellion. And then he talks about the immorality that always follows that kind of thing. So Jude warns us. And then what Peter does is he says, it's within this community that when we are, we are together, we are living stones together, bound together, interdependent upon one another, that we reach our fullness, that we, that, that, that we are secure in our, in our corporateness. Why? It's because we are encouraged uh, the Lord speaks to us in it. We have others that will build us up in our most holy faith. And so we aliens because we do not compromise with the culture in which we live. But we live in a community and we live in a, in a loving way. Those in the community, they, they see who we are. They acknowledge our difference. They may ridicule us. They, in fact, they will ridicule us. They will call us all sorts of things, bigots and homophobes and all sorts of things because you're not going with the culture of today. Our friends, but if you and I love them and they, we, they recognize we love them, and that's why we go back to Jude. It says, mercy, peace, and love. And the, the, the love that we have is a, is a God-given love. It's a, a love that can love the ungodly. It's a love that is, when it is persecuted, can respond in grace. It can respond in mercy. It can respond in love. And that, was, that is what, what Jude is saying. He's saying right in the beginning, he wants to encourage us to recognize who we are in Christ. Then he goes on. I'd love to have done the whole book of Jude. Just at the beginning as an introduction. But he, he encourages us. He strengthens us. He reminds us of who we are in Christ. And what Christ has done for us. And uh, the calling of God. The keeping of God upon our lives. So on that basis we are now secure. And then he goes on and says, listen, be very careful. You need to continue to contend for the faith. And that is an active word contending for it's not a passive thing we don't just sit back and just allow things to to happen and hope by osmosis we will continue to grow in our faith progressive christianity is a christianity that is aggressive in getting into the word of god and of 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 being involved and so judas is is reminding them and then what he does is he says be careful he says be careful what's happening is even in the church there's this infiltration that is taking place and unless you and I understand what the Word of God says, and if you and I, unless we are led by the Spirit of God, deception is the easiest thing. I mean, we've got people in our church 
who are querying a whole lot of different things. And I think, well, how, where did they get there? And it's because they haven't, uh, they, they, they're not grounded in some of the foundational doctrines. They're forgetting those things. And I, I'd encourage you to go back, go and look at the creeds. Go and look at the Apostles' Creed and all of those things. Go back. I've got a list. I'm going to give Joe a little booklet that I have this. You can hear it. The conviction that I have to strengthen the body of Christ, to encourage again, to remind. We've moved so far down in our, in our Christianity that we, we're weak back here. The foundations are being rocked. But we're over here somewhere praising God and having this glorious and wonderful time. And then all of a sudden we begin to find that everything here is insecure because we've, our foundations are weak. And I really believe that the Lord is, is I don't know he's, what He's doing, but He's calling me or just in, inspiring me to remind people, friends, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to, to why we believe. Um, you know, if, if, if we're challenged, do we have an apologetic for why we believe? Do we, uh, do we have a, an understanding of the resurrection? That's one thing that has been challenged today, as I mentioned earlier, with progressive Christianity or the deconstruction that is taking place. All that means is people are saying, well, I did believe that, but I'm not sure that I believe it anymore. And it's, we're protected in some way in South Africa. It's coming and we, we're experiencing some of that. But out in Europe and Americas and things like that, it's, it's really coming apart there. People like you and I are like hen's teeth, man. We've, we're, <laughs> there are not many of us left. And so when I look at this, I think, God, you've called me to make a difference in the community in which I live. Lord, you've called me to live out your values. You've called me, Lord God, to be, the, be somebody else that people will come to, not because they necessarily agree with me and they may ridicule me, but they know that I have truth. And this is the truth. This is the truth. And so this morning, that is my word to you. It's an encouragement. It's a challenge. It's not... As I said earlier, it's not the best sermon I have. But I want, to, I want to ask you, friends, to get back into the Word of God. To become men and women of the Word of God. Men and women of the Spirit of God. Yeah, men and women who understand what they believe and why they believe it. And then on the basis of that, on the basis of, of, of two Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, we go and we make a difference wherever we are. Let's, let's turn this thing around. Wherever we are. Uh, in your business, in your, uh, wherever you're working, uh, live out the life of Christ. We've just had um, somebody come up to us the other day. Um, I, I hope I'm not digressing from the message today, but just an example of this is that I have certain health conditions now which prohibit me from traveling. So I used to love, love to travel. Go, you go to Kenya, Zimbabwe. We used to go there quite often. Uh, into Swaziland. We've been doing a lot of work in Swaziland, but it's not um, wise for me to travel into those countries anymore. So here I am finding myself towards the latter part of my, my life. So what do I do? I mean, I have all of this in me. I want to share it. I want to, I want to love people. I want to show them the Word of God. I, w- I want to declare Christ, you know. How do I do it? And here I am with a body that is failing, but how do I express myself? And so uh, we had a, a word come just this last week confirming what is in my heart is that maybe the best way that I can do it now is just by, uh, I enjoy writing, so a little bit of, a bit of writing, uh, short things that people will read and encourage them and, and build them up in their faith. Uh, little video clips, five-minute kind of video clips. Again, just like drip-feeding people in terms of their faith. And that's what I think we need. Um, 
because now I can't travel so much, Bernie can't travel so much. And God, she's got a, she's got a, a tremendous a gift in art. She loves doing art, etc. And the word has come that maybe what Bernie should do is hold little art classes and out of that, use that as an instrument in which she can share the gospel and things like that. And so God has a way for each and every one of us. We find our place in God, the calling of God in our lives. But we need to go back to what Jude was saying in the beginning. Who are we in Christ? What has God done for us? The redemption that we've, we've received. The calling of God in our lives. That He's kept us. That, uh, that He embraces us. That he, he, Whenever we mess up, there's mercy and there's peace available to us. The love of Christ. And then on the basis of that, to stand strong in your faith. Do not allow the values that are in this world. And some of them may even seem logical. But those are kind of things that you open a door to those things. And the pathway down that thing is destruction. So my encouragement this morning is almost like, uh, like Jude, I think. Is, um, I mean, some of these guys, like for instance, Jeremiah the prophet. I think it must have been a terrible calling that he had. Here he was, he had to come and he, he couldn't give his best message. He couldn't come and make people feel good. What he did is he came and he challenged them. And, uh, and, and this is what Jude was doing here. He, he, he encourages them in the beginning. And then he comes in and he says, listen, be careful, boys, that there's, there's, there's stuff outside there that is going to rob you of your faith. And if it does, then what Jude actually does when he goes on in this thing, then he goes on to the judgment of God. And we're all going to face that one day. And so what he's saying is just, just get it right. And so this morning, I believe what the Lord is wanting us to do is to be encouraged of who we are in Christ and then to say, Lord, I want to get back to some of the basic things. I want to go back into who I am in Christ, the calling of God in my life, understand my salvation, the assurance of my salvation, have a look at some of those foundational doctrines, uh, have a look at our, the value systems that we need to impart, like those early Christians, not involved in this, not involved in this, against abortion, all of those things. But we've got to be very careful that those things don't become our focus. We, we can, we can we get on the transgender uh, bandwagon or the abortion bandwagon and we make that up. Jesus Christ is our focus. He's the one we always come back to. It's like the counting of the notes. We stay with the genuine and then we will be able to identify the false. So, Father, we just want to thank you this morning for this group of believers. Thank you for our togetherness today. Thank you, Lord, that this morning that you would inspire us to rise up to be the key people that you've called us to be. Men and women who will make a difference because of the value systems we have, the conviction that we have in, the, in our hearts, that you, Lord Jesus, are, you, are who you say you are and that you will do what you say you will do. Father, I bless these people. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for this community of believers, Lord, that even as we go from this place this morning, Lord, we will go with a conviction in our hearts but we do need to get back to some of our foundations. We need to stay strong in our faith. We thank you for Jude, Lord. We thank you for 2 Peter. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, Lord, that it would just be ingrained in our heart this morning that we would be able to live out these things in Jesus' name. Amen.